Force your campaign buttons onto Lenny Kravitz. It's time for Pod Cusack. It's Ladies and gentlemen, the moment you've been waiting for, we're finally doing it. We are here to talk about Lee Daniels, the butler. Yes, the greatest John Cusack movie in the history of time. Some people say, hey, say anything's the best. Some people say, high fidelity. No, you guys all know it's Lee Daniels, the butler. And with me today, oh boy, we got two of the greatest guests (laughs) Returning champion, Colby Smith, thank you for coming back. Hey, Matt, it's nice to be back. I really thought you were going to say two of the whitest guests. (laughs) Colby. (laughs) And also on this podcast, first time guest, so Mm -hmm. thankful to have him here, comedian, bass player in the greatest rock band of all time, (laughs) host of Tea Time with Trevor. You know it. It's Trevor Lyon. Thank you so much for doing the pod. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here with the returning champion, Colby. It's so exciting. Yeah, I was the champion, and now I'm back. <laughs> but I'm sorry. This is, there's a lot. You know, this is, this is a huge movie. This is it's an honor to be doing the Butler, Lee Daniels, the Butler, Lee Daniels, the butler. butler. Before we get into it, Trevor, you're you're a bit of a cinephile. Would you mm. say that's correct? Yeah, I think you know. Always always trying to get always trying to expand as well and learn more. But yeah, yeah, I do enjoy the movies. As a, as a fan of the film genre mm-hmm. of art, mm-hmm. what is your relationship to John Cusack actor? You know, I will say I'm not a huge Cusack fan. I find him to be like a kind of a doughy guy. He's kind of like a soft, like doughy man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's also, it's weirdly hard for me to name like more than a handful of movies that he's been in. Uh, aside from the ones that you said at the top, it's like I my memory and my roster of what he has is like pretty short. That is interesting because that is pretty par for the course, I think, for <laughs> guests on this podcast. We're 10 episodes in now and uh, I, I've still yet to find a John Cusack fan. Um, yeah, it's weird. I don't really know what it is about him, but yeah, because he is in stuff and he... It's not that I think he's bad, but there's just like, if you're like John Cusack's in this, I think my reaction would be like, who else is in it? What else? That's not going to be enough to bring me in. Mm-hmm. What other aspects should I be looking forward to? Have you seen Say Anything, High Fidelity, the, the, the big Cusack films? I actually think I have not seen those. I don't <laughs> recall those, but I have seen John Malkovich. That's the one that like I think right. of um, with him. I haven't seen it forever, but I do remember him being like kind of a weird, like schlubby weenie guy in that, I think. Um, and so maybe that's part of it, too. I mean, yeah, that is the the weeniest, schlubbiest. Like, he definitely downplays his uh, attractiveness and charisma in that. Anyway, well, we're here to talk about Lee Daniels, the butler. Mm. Uh, came out 2012... It's uh, what are your general thoughts, Colby? Let's start with you. What are your general thoughts on this movie specifically? Because Cusack is—he's not a very—he's—he's he's in three scenes, uh, so he's not like the star of this movie. Forrest Whitaker's a star. Forrest, the the great Oscar winner, Forrest Whitaker. 
yeah. but what do you think of the movie in general? Uh, I I would say it's like not super good. Uh, I it's definitely like it's watchable in a way that I did not expect. Um, where like the fun of watching it kind of becomes the like the meta elements around it, where you're just kind of like, who's the next celebrity cameo gonna be? And they <laughs> they I mean John Cusack is of course one of them, but they really don't disappoint. I mean some of the casting choices are very fun. Uh, uh, my favorite, I think, is Jane Fonda as Nancy Reagan. I mean, both Reagans. You get Jane Fonda, and then you also get Alan Rickman. Alan, Alan Rickman. Oh my God. Barely is, containing his British accent as Ronald is, Reagan. It's an inspired choice for Ronald Reagan. Um, so I think it was a little long, um, but uh, I, I, I did like that, and I liked Oprah in it. I thought she was legit really good. Yeah. Um, I would say I'm like so so tending towards the 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 the, the pretty solid. Trevor, what do you th- what are your thoughts? I thought it was I I might I'm probably so so tending towards that I didn't like it so much. Uh, I think that it just at times felt like they were trying to cram so much into it that I think is difficult. But the casting was very fun. I think my favorite is Lee Schreiber as. Uh, uh, Lyndon Johnson. Lyndon Johnson, really yeah. good. Especially because I don't think, uh, like, Lyndon Johnson, one of his big things is that he's a very large, imposing figure, like, physically, which I do not think Lee Schreiber is, really. I think he was shorter than uh, Ford Whitaker, so that's kind of a funny little Lyndon thing. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was... There is a lot going on in there, and it did, it did like, move pretty well, I think, because, like, there are so many things it feels like the movie is just kind of a montage for a lot of it. Um, I would say, yeah, I'm glad it like it it basically is 80 years of civil rights history condensed into two hours. And that is like the best part of the movie is like it goes it it does move, uh, I think, in in, like you compared it to Forrest Gump, Trevor, which I think is pretty accurate because it's like told from the perspective of one guy who just knows 10 presidents and is like he's there him or his family is there for every major, uh, you know, political event from you know basically the 20s to the 80s um so the movie is lee daniels the butler it's basically a fictionalized version of a real man eugene allen is the actual butler who was a white house butler starting for harry truman and then retired under ronald reagan so he was there there was a real guy but this movie is pretty much made up it's completely fictionalized before we get into the actual plot of the movie let's talk about the stats on every podcast we <laughs> the the most important stat is the cusack number how many cusacks are in this movie as we know there's john there's joan but there's also Anne. there's Susie. there's billy there's dick there's oh many God. cusacks but the cusack number of this movie is one only john mm. is in this movie unfortunately because I think Joan would have been a good addition, but we'll get to that later. The movie was a huge hit, which I did not remember. It made $116 million at the box office on a $30 million budget, which is pretty insane considering it didn't have any Marvel characters in it. (laughs) (laughs) What year did this come out? 2012. 2012. Okay, so it's like... This is like Lee Daniels' moment because there's this movie and then Empire is like the next year or two after that. 
which was yeah. a big hit for Fox as well. So right. this is yeah. like Lee, this is Lee Daniels at his peak. I mean, this is slated. It's right in between. He's coming off Precious, right, which was a big sure. Oscar, yeah. yes. Oscar winning movie. And he yes. he was a producer before he's a director, so he produced Monsters Ball, which was like a big Oscar movie. And then oh, Precious yeah. was his big directorial debut. Now he's like a big thing. And then he does this, yeah, before he conquers TV with Empire. But I don't. It's insane that this movie made that much money because I feel like it had little to no cultural impact. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I remembered it at all until you mentioned it and I went to look at it. And then vaguely was like, oh, it's the Forrest Whitaker in the White House thing. But I really like, I don't think I had any recollection of it happening. The The only re- recollection or the only reason I remember it at all really was that there was an ad for it in the subway station that I used to live off of uh, whenever it came <laughs> out. So I just like saw it every morning. Um, I wonder if it would have had more... Maybe not cultural impact, but if it would have resonated a little more strongly with the general public if Lee Daniels had not put his name in the title. Because I think already it sounds like a joke. Like this guy this guy is like putting his name in the title of the movie. Like it was advertised as Lee Daniels the butler. Like Lee Daniels was the draw, essentially. Or like yeah. they thought he was gonna be the draw. So I feel like that already makes it sound too pretentious maybe or like too important i don't know i I feel like that was a weird and maybe disastrous choice i was gonna save this for the trivia section at the end but let's just get into it the reason his name on is on it is not (laughs) yeah is not actually because of ego or anything okay it's because of like corporate spite uh so this is uh on the trivia page Warner Brothers Pictures owners of the 1916 silent short film called no. The Butler filed a claim <laughs> with the MPAA to rename the film the MPAA allowed the Weinstein company to add Lee Daniels name in front of the title under the condition that his name was 75% the size of the butler and <laughs> And so yeah. then they renamed it Lee Daniels the Butler. So they ba- oh, they were man. basically like, not only do you have to put your name on it, but it has to be almost as big as the title so everyone can title. see it. Okay, that's important context. Very uh, important. And I feel yeah. like that's important for a couple of reasons because it also is not just, I think, corporate like malfeasance or, or, or corporate spite because it's just, yeah. I think it just shows you even pre-Me Too movement how hated Harvey Weinstein was. People were just <laughs> yeah. like, Fuck you. No, we have a short film that was made during World War One, and you cannot name it the same. It is bizarre. And it is crazy because it does make it sound like a joke. Like when you have when you say Lee Daniels the butler, yeah. it sounds like like Matt, when you first reached out to us about it and said like let's watch I thought it you were almost saying is it a joke, like let's watch like Steven Spielberg's Jurassic Park. It's like <laughs> Lee Daniels, but that's actually what it is, and it does make it seem like a little ridiculous. Yeah, it totally does. But then at the same time, he could have just changed the name. It didn't need to be yeah, the butler. The butler the is such a basic like title. I know. Yeah. yeah, and especially with how the movie plays out, like that was one of the things that was weird. Is like, I think part of the thing that didn't work as well for me with the movie is because they try and do so much with the scope that it feels like you do almost play like a version of like karaoke or something where you're Mm -hmm. just kind of going through these things. Whereas it like, I thought it was going to be a movie about like the, 
just the butler and kind of like really like dive into things i don't know sort of like that happening um because it really is only like it's half the butler and then his son who's like maybe the fifth build guy in this like it's crazy that john cusack is the third build star in this also <laughs> Um, but there's so much of it that is like, you know, tangentially related to the butler that, yeah, I feel like he could have figured out a different name. And that just makes me want to like dive into the movie. Let's, let's get into the plot. When I, you know, you go to Netflix, you, you put it, you put on the butler. <laughs> and the first thing I saw was two hours and 12 minutes. And it's a drama. <laughs> when you see 12, two hours and 12 minutes, it's, and it's not a, either a Marvel movie or a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. You know that that means it's, it's, it's a meaty. This is important. Yes. This is a serious movie to be considered. Yes. Um, and it starts with old Forrest Whitaker, uh, doing some VO, which I have a lot of problems with the VO in this movie, but we'll get to that later. And it's it basically flashes back to old Forrest Whitaker growing up. He's bas- His father's basically a sharecropper. And this is like right off the bat, it gets in with the stunt casting because yes. this opening sort of prologue where it's pre-Forrest Whitaker playing the character and it's his character as a young boy basically growing up. His father's a sharecropper on this plantation in the South and immediately you're like distracted by, Oh, is that his mom? Oh, that's Mariah Carey with no lines. <laughs> yes. This, this began the, what what happened time and time again with this movie for me where it's like, is that, is that her? Is that like just yeah. saying, is that, and then this person or then for a long time it happened with other people where I was like, I swear I recognize that person. And then later, uh, but yeah, Mariah Carey is the first one where it's like, is that Mariah Carey? Because it really is. She does. She has like maybe two lines in the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then it just moves on. It's very strange. And I mean, this, it's one of those things where the, the prologue is, you know, this really ha- haunting, intense, <laughs> yes. violent thing. Basically, you know, his mom gets raped by, Mariah Carey's character gets raped by Alex Pettifer, who's like a, isn't he like a Disney star? Um, oh, is that guy? Yeah, I didn't recognize yeah, the, that guy. Yeah, the blonde but... kid. I think he's he's like a Disney star, and he was the star of, I think, Magic Mike. But he... <laughs> okay. It's like this horrendously violent thing that just shows the violence of what, what it was, even post-slavery, to be you know a black person in the 20s. But it's still just like... It goes... It's so edited. They don't take any time to learn who these characters are. They're all sort of stock characters, and it just, like, breezes by all this stuff. And then, at the same time, you're distracted by, oh, that's Mariah Carey. And it's very strange. But basically, the, you know, his mom gets raped, his dad gets killed, and he... I guess the woman of the house, who's played by Vanessa Redgrave, who's just another weird stunt casting, being wow, like, Wow, oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because that, see, the Mariah Carey thing then sort of put my antennas up. So when she came on, I was like, is that Maggie Smith? I couldn't mm. tell. At first, I was like, is this Professor McGonagall here? But in <laughs> Vanessa Redgrave, that's interesting. That's yeah. Fun. I, I, I guess he just couldn't get Maggie Smith or Judy Dench <laughs> yeah. to do it. Um, but Maggie Smith's character sort of takes him under her wing <laughs> and... He becomes, he, you know, she teaches him how to read and he becomes like a, you know, a, a person of the house. And that sort of sets him down this path that like eventually leads him to the White House to become a butler. And then, and then it flashes forward. He leaves 
the plantation and then goes to DC and he's, you know, sort of starving. He doesn't have a home. He's trying to find work. He can't get work. He breaks into a bakery and eats a cake. And then the person who works in the bakery finds him. And that is Clarence Williams, the third, who was the star of the mod squad. Which yes. is oh wow! Which is also a really interesting stunt casting because he was like the coolest guy of the seventies. Like my dad really loved. He he has talked about the Mod Squad because I forget the woman's name, but she was really hot, the blonde, and like <laughs> Clarence Williams the third was like the coolest guy of the seventies, and now he's like taking the Butler, what will be the come the Butler under his wing, right? Hold on. Yeah, he's one of those guys too that I recognize and even now like after when i looked at his imdb i don't know what i recognize him from Mm -hmm. but i just know that guy he's in a lot of stuff i that's i feel like it might be it might be half-baked actually i see that he's in (laughs) half-baked and it might be from that i mean it probably is that's like one of the weird honestly sort of the downfalls of this movie i'm sure that like getting all these famous people in the movie got the movie like more press and like got more budget but it's one of the downfalls is like you're constantly distracted by like trying to figure out where you know these people from. Yeah. So then our, our main character, Cecil. Cecil Gaines. I don't, I'm not sure if I said that yet. Cecil Gaines is his name. He <laughs> finally gets employed at a DC hotel, very upscale DC hotel, and he does a really good job. Someone overhears him uh, doing a really good job serving someone and then is like, that's the guy we need at yeah. the White House. And then he goes home and we meet his wife and then just suddenly Oprah's in the movie. And this was like my Oprah. That was another one where I was like, is that Oprah? And it is her. Well, we also, we never, this movie's two hours and 12 minutes, but they can't even afford a scene where he meets his wife. And like, there's not even like a two minute sequence of her. Like they meet at a thing and then they go have a date and then they're married. It just immediately he goes home and he's already married to this woman. Yeah. He goes from like super young kid to like, what was he in like the training montage scene? Like uh, maybe like teens. Yeah. Teens, 20s. And then to like a 55 year old man, like (laughs) so quickly. It's just like, it's like when Jesus like appears in the Bible after, you know, all this years of being wherever and it's like he's older we don't know what happened don't yeah, worry about he's it he's 30 now <laughs> yeah this is where we are now you don't need to know anything else yeah last time you saw him he was running away from his parents on a walking trip <laughs> yeah the aging of this movie is insane force what it, it really, goes yeah the, yes the other time that was so bizarre is when like it seems like in the same presidential administration, he goes from having a slightly receding yeah. hairline yeah. to the sharpest, <laughs> like, he's just bald on top. And that was like, it couldn't have been in the span of like no, more than a few years. He now. walks he walks into Nixon talking to Halderman about <laughs> yes, like the Watergate yes. break-in, and he's like got a full head of hair, and then it that you're talking 72 to 74. He goes right, from like yeah. 40 to 60. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe it was just the stress, like it, he really knew what was coming. And so the stress that like he was kind mm. of holding this information the country would soon get just annihilated the, his hair so quickly at a at a breakneck pace. It's wild. But we find yeah. we do meet Oprah, that Oprah's his wife. And then we also meet his two sons. So we never see them grow up. It's just finally uh, David Ayelowo, who is... He's he's great. Yes. I love him and like he's everything. 
Um, I also think Oprah is good. What do you guys think of Oprah's performance? Oprah's great. I think Oprah is good. One of the things about this movie is that everyone is pretty good. Yeah. All the acting is no one really, even honestly, even Cusack as Nixon, he doesn't overdo it, uh, which would be really easy to do. Uh, I, the, I was really impressed. Uh, Oprah gets like a good like meltdown scene at the dinner table later in the movie, mm. and I just thought she just I thought she handled that perfectly. She kind of like plays it down. She does this like she quiets everybody down, and she's like, "And then you take this low class bitch." And like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, the temptation would be to like just like scream that at at everybody, but she just like she goes the other way. I I don't know. I thought it was great. I thought it was well, really yeah, effective. I, One of I the big takeaways that. from the movie I thought was that. Oprah should act more. She's great. She's a yeah. really good actress. I know it is kind of cool though. It feels like she only steps into things and by like holding herself back like that, it's like when she does show up, it's like, oh shit, like Oprah came off the like she like entered the ring for this one. You yeah. know, it's like totally. jumped off the top ropes. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh my god, like she has not like entered the octagon in a long time and now she's she like was good. it means business. But yeah, and I agree that too. I think a lot of the like acting is like, because some of the writing items also feels like just because they are covering so much ground that like mm-hmm. his, it's just some of it does feel like they're just like, and this is how you fold the napkin. And it's like very just like on the nose of like, you got to crank this stuff out. But mm-hmm. I feel like the acting does like sort of save a lot of that in a lot of the different situations. I would say the script is pretty outright bad. The script is pretty. <laughs> script by Danny Strong, also a producer on Empire. Yeah, also a producer yeah. on Empire. Danny Strong, you may recognize him from being the main villain in the sixth season of Buffy. He plays the nerdy <laughs> Jonathan. He also uh, he plays he the character on Mad Men, the firm, because he's like related to Roger Sterling's wife. <laughs> and he's this like little shrimpy guy, and everyone he, makes fun of him, and it's just uh, it's very good. Danny Strong's career is very weird because he started out as an actor. He's like this nerdy guy in a lot of things, and then he wrote Recount and Game Change. Game Change, yes. Game he wrote change. Recount and Game Change. So he's written these political movies, and then they were like, "Hey, you five foot four white dude, you should write the history of civil rights." <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. how did he? Who is this guy? How did he get this job? Yeah. I mean, all of this stuff, I feel like you, you mentioned one of the two of those movies, I think it might be Game Change, uh, is directed by Jay Roach. They both who, are. So yeah. Jay Roach directed Austin Powers. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I, I've, surely there are more qualified people to tell these stories than the director of Dinner for Schmucks. <laughs> well, this whole movie feels like they put everyone in Hollywood in a snow globe and just shook it up, and then where people landed, that's... Okay, yeah. so now you're the screenwriter. You get to play Ronald Reagan. You're, you know, it's insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Cecil gets a job at the White House. He's recruited to work at the White House, and then he has a meeting with the head butler at the White House, and this is where I think we get the one of the big laugh lines of the movie is the head butler says, uh, are you political? And he says, no. And he says, good, we have no tolerance for politics at the White House. Yes. Big laugh. Huge Everyone laugh. loves it. And <laughs> I feel like the editor just left a space for the laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's no subtlety to this movie. Everything. There's no show, not tell. You know, everything is told. If it's not told by yeah. a character talking, yeah. it's told in voiceover. It's very much like... totally. 
that's one of those weird things too when it's like i understand with a lot of movies that are and I, at first i thought that the man this was based off of that this was his name it, i didn't realize that it was like they had changed it that much mm-hmm. so i give them credit for doing that but it is weird when it's like a movie that's so clearly based off a person but then so many things are like fabricated and altered in a way where it's like part of me just wonders maybe if you just would have stayed with like this much smaller thing about this guy because it almost feels weird to like it's based off this guy but then given this like incredibly like horrific childhood that like you know was not accurate kind of it's just it's very strange but i feel like these things where it's like the lack of subtlety it's like it feels like your source text what you started with maybe had some of that subtlety because there's no mm-hmm. doubt that this man's life was like incredibly complicated seeing and like going through everything he did but then yeah they just add it to like he's just like manipulating the uh you know just clearly plays into the like head butler's thing to like get the job or he's like mm-hmm. well i wouldn't want you to do anything that you're uncomfortable with and all this stuff uh it's I feel it's very like bizarre there's a really good movie to be made about the dynamic between him and his son because that's the core the core relationship of the movie yeah. is is him and his son right and it's about like their you know falling apart and then reconciliation because of the v- different ways they approach uh fighting for civil rights right and if you had just con- if you had just narrowed the scope of the movie to be about like the 60s and early 70s and and specifically about their relationship i think that's a really good movie but they tried to tell the entire story of america in 2 hours and it's just i it just doesn't I think that note about scope is interesting uh, and I definitely think that like what you were saying Trevor if they had like if their ambitions had maybe been a little more um, reasonable or like restrained then there there is some like great drama to be like like rendered from this like for me some of the most interesting scenes in the first part of the movie were the were like the ones that hint at like what he has to give up about himself to like be good at this job. Like there are a couple scenes at the beginning where it's just like you know powerful white people being like, man, all these black people are really causing a fuss, right, Cecil? And then just like there is a lot of tension in like how is he gonna address this, you know? And like that is, I mean, that's great fodder for for a whole movie, you know? It's yeah. just like what what does this guy really have to go through just to survive in this? lazily integrated america and just the concept of someone who's like works as a butler at the white house like that's crazy that's i feel like that's all you need right there and it's like you can get to these other things which they try and do somewhere he's like and where he's like in the room with kennedy while they're watching um you know some of the like riots and stuff Mm. that's going on all these various things but it's like it feels like I do want to know what it's actually like for this guy to have... It's crazy he worked at the White House for, like, administration after administration, but it just feels like we get such, like, uh, like unsatisfactory, like, snippets from it, kind of, where it's like, yeah. it feels like that's all you need right there. Like, guy works at the White House for 25 years. Well, the yeah. movie also seems to only have, like, a elementary school understanding of what every president did. Um <laughs> <laughs> I know. But like it, let's, yeah. let's 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 get to it. So he moves yeah, into yeah. the White House or he goes to the White House. He meets his fellow butlers who are played by Cuba Gooding Jr., who's seemingly his only personality trait is he's very horny. 
Tony. <laughs> Yo, the fucking the like clap the joke thing he tells that was yes. crazy. <laughs> it's that was a wild joke. That's a I shockingly end... blue it's a shockingly blue joke for what up until that point seemed like a very like teens watch this in school. Yeah. Yes. I I thought at the end it was gonna be like some sort of twist where he's like and then we had like to leave the grocery store, not be like a straight up like very, shoving like, my hands in your pussy sexual <laughs> joke yeah i was like oh my it's, god it's it's, this is like really what it is yeah, yeah that was I wild mean, but then we also meet lenny kravitz who is just this is just more st- at least cuba Gooding jr is like he's an actor he's got a character and then there's just lenny kravitz who's another butler who's his only character trait is he's lenny kravitz <laughs> That yeah, was he the, has some line. He has some line where he's like, "Man, this job is so stressful. Don't it make you want to fly away?" <laughs> His was the ultimate. Where I was like, "I swear, I recognize." It took me a while to be like, "Oh my god, that's Lenny Kravitz." Because <laughs> Lenny Kravitz, yeah. he always like he has such like a particular way of dressing, and he's always got like all his like shit on him and everything. Mm-hmm. So he go- he meets these guys. He like sort of ingratiates himself with everyone at the White House, and then we meet our first president, which is I think the the most insane casting of all of the movie. As he walks in to meet President Dwight D. Eisenhower, and it's Robin fucking Williams. It's just- yeah, he it had kind to be of, one of his last screen performances, right? I would assume so. Yeah. Oh God, I guess you're right. Yeah, he he kind of I didn't see one hour photo, but I kind of get the gist of it. But he <laughs> kind of looked like the guy from one hour photo in this. <laughs> yeah, which added a different vibe to Eisenhower also. But I really yeah. wish he had just been like, oh, 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 <laughs> you know, like yeah. doing his Robin Williams thing. Yeah, like maybe he drops something, like he knocks his coffee over and has to like clean it up really quickly. It was just like. <laughs> So he's in the White House. Everyone loves him. He goes home. And this is the beginning of like the tensions between him and his son. Because his son is like watching the, you know, the Freedom Riders and the, the civil rights activism of the early 60s. And he is really inspired and wants to be a part of it. And, and his dad, Cecil Forrest Whitaker's character, is very like, that's not how you do it. You got to like just put your head down and do your best. And this is like the main conflict of the movie is they're, they're conflicting views on civil rights. Cause, uh, and then, you know, Cecil goes back to the white house and they, he, he stands by Robin Williams watching the desegregation of the schools at little rock. Um, you know, watching Elizabeth Eckford, like walk in and Robin Williams is, and this is another thing that just keeps coming up throughout, uh, which is like presidents looking to Cecil to be like, what should i do you're the only black person i know which like i don't know it would be interesting if there was any truth to that like if because you could almost see that like these older white presidents just being so you know isolated and out of touch that they would be like let me ask this guy and i didn't read the article um that they took that was sort of the nugget that this movie like blew out from so it would be interesting if that ever happened but then we get Dwight D. Eisenhower's vice president sleezes away into the kitchen, and this is our Here first comes our guy, our first glimpse oh of the cues, baby. John Cusack, fake nose. Yep. What a tasty treat. <laughs> <laughs> this is when he's throwing the pins, right? He's tossing yeah. the buttons. He, yeah. he gives him the pins. Yeah, because yeah. this is like him running against Kennedy. So he's giving, yeah. and that, and it's another, it's another instance of like him asking the only black people he knows like what should i 
focus on to get like some of the black vote. And I gotta say, Cusack's performance isn't as bad as I remember it being. It's no. it's okay. Not at all. No, no, it's perfectly fine. I I I thought for sure he was gonna go like way over the top with the voice and everything, but it's yeah. it's pretty it's pretty restrained, right? You, yeah. You know what I think it is? I think you give him the nose, and he's like. The nose is doing all the work for him. He's in the nose. Yes. He become and so it's like he doesn't need to go big because he's got the nose there, and it sort of like tempers it. It makes me want to wonder, like, if Cusack had had like earlier in his career just been like, give me, had gone more of a Johnny Depp way. Give me a weird hat. Give me a weird yeah. nose, and let me get into yeah. some weird kind of performances. Maybe he might have had a better career. Yeah, I mean, because half yeah. of Johnny Depp's career is just hats. That's very true. Hats, makeup, um, yeah, different things attached to him. It's big for him. I think Cusack, <laughs> Cusack realized too late in life that give me a fake nose, and I mean he might have an Oscar now. You know what it is? It's like when you do imp- <laughs> it's like when you do improv, and maybe you're a little not feeling it. You put the chair down. You do a scene in the chair, so you're kind of mm. grounded. You have that physical thing that can kind of, you know, that's a, that's an actual thing, and then from there you can sprout. That's what he needed with the nose. He should have done a nose in every movie. I know. He should have done more nose work. I mean, well, it's it's honestly, it's not too late. That's he, true. That's <laughs> true. He's yeah. still active. He's still active. Cusack yeah. Nation, start tweeting at the guy. He's very active on Twitter. <laughs> Say, get some fake noses. Get into some things. Win your goddamn Oscar. You know you want it. <laughs> um, you know you want it. We know that you want it. So Cecil is working in the White House. His son, he he goes to Fisk University in Tennessee, and he gets really involved in the civil rights activism in the South. He becomes a freedom rider. He starts getting arrested, does 30 days in jail. And Cecil, this is like just the tension between the two of them. They're buttonheads. Cecil says, why are you getting arrested? I'm not going to keep bailing you out. And, And this is the thing that sort of carries the rest of their... Uh, relationship through the movie and then it also kicks off their um sort of i think something that happens a lot where he's watching tv and then sees his son on the tv there's a lot of like there he is again he's on tv again and that's a very like event in history yeah like forrest gump kind of thing it's just like you you turn on the tv and there's like your (laughs) right right. yeah Between yeah. uh, between this whole family, everyone was there for like every important event in they really the twentieth century. Yeah, we'll get to what I think was the when it really like got a little too wild for me uh, as we continue on <laughs> the movie. Well, we jump ahead to nineteen sixty one. Nixon loses the election to the Kennedys, and mm. James Marston and Minka Kelly roll in as <laughs> as JFK. Yeah. And- as far as the like stunt casting, James Marsden at this point is very much a one of these things is not like the other. Yes, bit this is me. how I felt. I was let down when I was like, "This is who they got for like the." I feel like you could really knock this one out of the park. Well, and- let me just throw another bit of trivia in. Here we go. Who he wanted to have play JFK, which is this is like maybe the the biggest missed opportunity since Adam Sandler didn't play the Bear Jew in Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> oh man. Oh. He wanted JFK to be Matthew McConaughey. And <laughs> oh, that would have been wow. incredible. Oh my god. JFK with a Texas accent. I yeah, think, there's oh. no way the voice would have worked. Oh, that would have been great. That would have been the greatest. That would have brought the McConaughey to a like skid <laughs> stop. Oh man. Seriously. Oh, Holy gosh. shit. Because it almost does feel like by having a less 
like the presidents are all such big stars other than this this one it feels weird in that way and like probably in a way that the rest of them should have where it makes you focus more on forrest whitaker's character right. as opposed to like the cameo guy but this one being so much less, yeah, it really it fell out of place with the other ones. Yeah. Also, where, where John Cusack is really underdoing the Nixon voice, James Marston is really going hard on the <laughs> yeah, Oh, my God. I are. Uh... <laughs> and this is when we also get Oprah, you know, descending into alcohol- alcoholism, which yeah. she's descending into alcoholism, which they telegraph by just the fact that she wants to have sex with Forrest Whitaker. And yes. she's just like, hey, she's like coming on to him. And he's just like, what are you doing? Get off me. And she's yeah, like, and oh, she wife. has a problem. Yeah, she like enjoys hanging out with their mutual friends like in the evening, just like having a good time. Like, oh, God, disaster. Yeah. We should horizon. say, too, that uh, T- Terrence Howard is, is well cast as a domestic abuser. <laughs> and then there's a scene where Terrence Howard is really hardcore hitting on Oprah. And she's like, no, no. Uh, yeah. But I think there's something going on there. And then Cecil has a really intense conversation, emotional conversation with JFK. Uh, and it's another one of these moments where the president is looking to Cecil to like explain black issues to him. Yes. Um, and then JFK gets shot. Boom. And unlike the Irishman, there's no reference to the CIA killing him, um, which I didn't care for. big missed opportunity there big missed opportunity yeah like movies like the irishman and forrest gump they all you know they deal with the jfk assassination in different uh ways (laughs) but i i prefer the irishman (laughs) and then we get minka kelly's big you know she's covered in blood in the famous jackie o pink suit and she's you know she's crying and then she gives cecil a tie that used to belong to jfk and that, right. that he holds as like a totem of like the the goodness of the potential American presidency and like what they could do because they make a really big deal about JFK and LBJ's contributions to civil rights, which there are, but at the same time they were having yeah. the FBI spy on MLK, which they do not touch on in this movie. And it's interesting too that it's written by a white guy also. I feel mm. like that uh, mm-hmm. illuminates some things as well. They really, really liked to deify both JFK and in a different way, LBJ. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I think <laughs> history has sort of, uh, you know, yeah. illuminated that that was really not how yeah. a lot of things happened and played out, which is yeah. really like fifth grade history version of these guys is not really a complete picture of to say the least yeah yeah howard zinn would not appreciate this movie (laughs) uh so cecil you know he he goes back home and then we get like a big fight scene between him and oprah um and she's just like you care more about what's going on in the white house than you do about in this house and she's drunk and then Forrest Whitaker basically gives her a real good sex in and that cures her of her alcoholism. Yeah, there's, and some of this stuff are things where it just like, it feels so, I don't know, like I I think they had good ideas with like, you see how Forrest Whitaker is living his life and what his, sort of like what's going on and his son and then Oprah also, but there's no like, 
And I don't know if they were trying to do the show not tell thing, but it doesn't feel like any of the characters like communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, we don't ever see Forrest Whitaker trying to put in context what he's doing and where he came from, like to his son. Whereas for the audience, we see his horrific childhood, but there's never any point. It's just like, he's never like kind of reaches out to his son as to like, we don't get it until, um, who's the one that tells oh until martin luther king tells his son about like sort of what like what he calls like the domestic in the house and like what that means and how that's like an act of like subversion and all this stuff but there's just all these different parts where it's like i don't know it feels like they were getting there but nothing ever really like connected or like clicked in a way Mm -hmm. well it feels like like different issues they got scared that people weren't getting it and then that's why they threw in that mlk scene just to be like oh no like let's have martin let's put these words into martin luther king's mouth so they are unassailable and that and then they'll understand like what we're trying to do it but they didn't have enough uh confidence in the it's not confident filmmaking or confident screenwriting because it's all needs to be like jammed into your head by either vo or a character basically explicitly saying what you've been watching we just get so little of all these people that it it just feels like it's there's I don't know no connection between the characters or something. Yeah, and then what we get from the characters feel like SNL sketches because of the stunt casting, you know, because it's yeah, Robin exa- Williams. Yeah. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, then yeah, then it jumps ahead to LBJ. Now LBJ takes. <laughs> You know, I I do like the fact that they included like the famous anecdotes of like LBJ taking meetings while he was taking a shit. Yeah, I mean, that that's, that's yeah good. that part that was crazy. This was my favorite. It just like in how ridiculous it was because like LBJ is like you know there's so many insane stories about like what a lunatic person he was, but just yeah he's like taking a shit and then the button is like hand me the prune juice or whatever <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. he just like Fort Whitaker walks in just like oh my god I don't get the humor in this movie. There's a lot of times where they every joke that they try to do is very telegraphed and I really don't understand like why they even felt the need. I guess you need some levity in like a heavy story like this, but it yeah. totally. It really I think it's fun just to see. I feel like LBJ is not uh, represented on screen near as much as like JFK, like any of the other presidents are. So it's kind of fun just to see any take on him on yeah, that's in like true. big oh, movie yeah, like yeah. this. Also, another. I think they gave him. I feel like LBJ's his nose is his ears. Like he has crazy, yes. like huge ears, and they gave. I think they gave leave uh, some crazy ears to wear. Which I thought was a nice, like, each president gets, like, their little prosthetic thing. <laughs> JFK's got the hair, like, Nixon's got the nose, LBJ's got the ears. Um, <laughs> Reagan is just Alan Rickman, like, looking insane. He's got, like, the Joker yeah. smile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, like, <laughs> peeled back. Yeah, his eye is very squinty for Reagan, too. But we'll yeah, And then, of course, what a what a slight at Gerald Ford that they didn't even bother yeah. casting anybody. <laughs> yeah, Gerald Ford too, right? and Jimmy, Jimmy and Carter. Carter. Yeah. And Carter. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's they like, were like, oh, nothing God. happened in the late 70s, so let's just yeah. breeze past. <laughs> Wait, can I can I pitch someone for Jimmy Carter real quick? Yeah. Gary Shandling. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Can I pitch someone for <laughs> Jimmy Carter? Yeah. Gary Busey. <laughs> that would be pretty solid. Gary Shandling. Gary Shandling oh would be God. good. 
Jer- Gary Shandling for Jimmy Carter and Gary Busey for Gerald Ford. Yeah. Gerald Ford. I think we should connect with Gary, uh, get Gary Sinise in there. Connect with Forrest Gump also. Yeah. And a third Gary. I don't know. I would have loved if they had had like Tom Hanks show up as Forrest Gump to like create this cinematic universe of yes yeah, it's, it's just like he's running like they have the news clip and then they're also like in our next story like a man yeah. is running across the country and then it just cuts away yeah. <laughs> yeah well what's what in Forrest Gump he goes to see which president does he see where he just drinks Dr. Peppers the whole day John F. Kennedy yeah okay yeah so I think yeah you have a scene where Forrest Gump is like Tom Hanks' Forrest Gump is like leaving with a bunch of empty Dr. Pepper bottles. <laughs> or like you just have yeah, Forrest see, Whitaker is like putting a bunch in the recycling or something. Or like yeah. yes. we need more Dr. Peppers in the oval. Yeah, so they 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 make basically both Kennedy and LBJ to be saints, even though like LBJ was the one who was sicking the FBI on, you know, black activists more than any other president besides yeah. Nixon. And then this is where we get Nixon coming back. Uh, And we get our second of three Cusack scenes. uh, And he's having a conversation. I got the memo from Hoover who's telling me all this crazy stuff. And we need to like crack down on all these Black Panthers who cut to the next scene. Lewis now shows up back at home with the Black Beret. And now he's become a Black Panther. And the whole time I'm just like, how old is this character supposed to be? Yes. Because he's like in his 20s in the early 60s, and now we're talking like the mid-70s, and there's there's a lot of people who are sort of unstuck in time throughout. I guess like Forrest Gump. There is a this scene where they have dinner together. This is the Oprah meltdown scene I was talking about earlier. Has one of the most brutal moments in the whole movie where he asks his son how long he's been seeing his girlfriend yeah. and he goes oh. he goes 5 years and at the same time she goes we're, we're just, just friends. friends yeah oh and that's another one of those things where it's just like there's there's so much there but like we're only getting like one sentence of it so it's like what I so know. like what is the deal cuz like the only consistency between his life journey is that he's doing everything 100% with her in every yes. step of the way. There's no other friend. There's no other like connective tissue other than they're together. And it's just like, what has their relationship been like this whole time? It's so crazy. Oh, it's brutal, buddy. I, but this is one of the first times, too, where the younger brother gets to shine, who is one of my favorite characters oh, in the whole he's thing. He's a bright, so shining funny. star. He's, he's so great. good. He's so funny in that scene. This scene Just and like, then the one um, <laughs> where he picks him up from uh, the police station. Yeah, it was yeah. so good. And I was like, this is what that's like. I don't know. I was like, I thought that was great. I thought his stuff yeah. was really I mean, good. he's one of the... <laughs> Tell me about your Black Panther party. I like to party. <laughs> you like to party? <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's one of the people who comes out of this movie. I'm just like, who are you? You're a yeah. star. You know, he's, yeah, he comes he's off so really good. great. He's hilarious. And then he, and this is also the first mention of Vietnam because they barely touch on it at all. Yeah. And then he says yeah. he wants to go to Vietnam to fight for his country. And that's like basically the only reference we get to it because he goes to Vietnam and then spoiler alert, he dies over there. And yeah. yes. that's the only the only way they show the impact of Vietnam on the black community is that this one character dies who voluntarily right. goes and it has nothing there's no reference of the draft and how the draft affects like lower income families more than higher income families and like there's 
no reference to Vietnam or the war on drugs in this movie. Yeah. Which if mm. you're making a movie about like civil rights of the 20th century, that's like two huge omissions, I think. And there's no, that was another one of those places where he says he wants to go to Vietnam. And I'm like, I feel like you could illustrate sort of how he's stuck between like his brother and also his dad. And like, clearly this guy, like, they're just like, yeah, I want to go to Vietnam. Like, I'm going to fight for my country. And that's like the only line or like expression of that he gets. But it's like, I feel like you could highlight how it's like, you know, he sees his dad doing all this stuff. And he clearly like loves his parents and is the one who's been in this house. But then also like you know, his older brother is like this revolutionary, which I'm also sure has this like huge impact. But all we get is like the one line and then he like goes and we don't see him again. And then he's dead and that's it. Yeah. If they, had... Cause I feel like there could be like so much like emotional dynamic stuff in there where it's like the impacts that this has on like this younger child, but it's just like, he's just a cool guy. And then we see him so little <laughs> and then he's dead. Yeah. And there's but... also like him even thinking that going to Vietnam is fighting for his country is like a confused position. You know what I yeah. mean? And there's like right. there's no explanation of that either or even like interrogation of that. We're all just supposed to be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Go fight for America in Vietnam. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And maybe like he if he were to like see that as like an extension of like some interpretation of like what his dad does, that's like a misrepresentation to some extent. But then also like with some of the aggression of like what his brother does. I don't know. It feels like there was interesting stuff there, but it's just they it feels like they had it in there just to be like, this one is a protest guy. This one is like a straight laced war guy. Mm -hmm. And then that's just how it shakes out. There's a really great movie to be made just about the family. If you had focused on the mm-hmm. family, made made yeah. each member of the family, because even Cecil, who's the main character of the movie, I feel like is barely developed as a character. 100%. You yeah. know, it's like we barely know anything about him besides the fact that he like had a rough childhood and now he wants to work yeah. hard and that's it. We know about his hardships and that's kind of where it stops. Yeah. None and of the, these characters yeah. are fully developed in any way. Yeah, I feel like he never really gets to sort of, I don't know, yeah, like, I don't know if process or just, like, div- you know, kind of interpret, like, his station and where he ends up and what he ends up doing as compared to, like, where he came from. It's just, like, the the way they set up is so complex, but then it's just, like, it just makes it seem like he's, like, happy to have a job and never, like, kind of gets into, like... I don't know. It's a complicated thing that he ends up doing where it's like his dad is killed by this guy, but then he ends up like working in the house for these people. And there's like so much in there that it really just feels like, yeah, he has no emotional depth a lot of times, which is crazy given like all the information we do know about him. It feels like we're watching, you know, like when you're writing something and you'll like, you'll outline everything on note cards and then you'll put them up on the wall to like have Mm -hmm. your screenplay or your story. It feels like that's what we're looking at. We're looking at the note cards on the wall version of this. Yeah, totally. Of this movie, which probably should have been a miniseries or something. And not, we're not actually getting the meat of, of any of it. Flash forward. Oprah is now a disco goddess, and I guess we're we're in the late seventies or mid seventies. Um, and Cecil gets a knock on the door. It's two soldiers, basically implying that the younger brother has died in Vietnam. And then we yeah. go back to the White House, and now we get our third and final scene with the cues. And this mm-hmm. is Nixon has now even more prosthetics on, which I don't think we needed. 
Um, yeah. And they have yeah, now it was distracting. And now they and they also sprayed him down to be like, this is now we're now <laughs> yes. we're sweaty, sweaty Nixon. Nixon. Yeah. <laughs> yes. A sweaty Nixon. Yeah. Um, and this is and now this is also this is where we get Cecil's like two year twenty age gap. Where like yeah. er, yes. first that term Nixon, crazy. he's forty, and now he's like fully bald. Um, yes, the smoothest head. And he has the one last scene with Nixon, and Nixon is like, you know, asking basically for absolution from Cecil, who you know is being polite, and then walks out. Um, yeah. And then we get a scene very strange. Cecil goes to the kitchen at the White House. And finds Lewis, his son, talking to Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character at the White House. Yes. The White House is just letting this Black Panther former revolutionary just walk in and hang out in the kitchen of the White House? How did he get in? His wife, Oprah, has not been there. And we learned when he first got the job, she was really excited to go. That was like 10 or 15 years ago now. His son just appeared there and Oprah has still not been to the White House. He has not let her come yet. Oprah's like big want throughout the entire movie is (laughs) one day maybe I'll get to go to the White House where my husband works. And Lewis just pops in for a visit. Stop by, see dad at work. Yeah. Insane. Yeah, I thought that was crazy. Yeah. Never explain it. Uh and then but then we get like Cecil won't even speak to him. His other, his younger son is dead and now their their relationship is very frayed, very fraught and now he he can't they won't talk and then they go their separate ways. And then we get a really nice montage of the entire late seventies, which is just like Gerald Ford, you know, the, the, the energy crisis Exxon, the yes. lines for gas. And then the we get a really quick gas. frame of princess Diana. And I was like, why the hell is princess Diana in this movie? <laughs> and Mary was sitting next to me and she was just like, it's so white people would know what year it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's very legit. I think this is after, the Martin Luther King scene, right? Yeah, Martin Luther King has popped in, had one scene. He gave that speech. Yes, because that like... scene is the one where I was like, this has gone too far with <laughs> the story. Like, just, it was crazy to me that this kid, what, a couple years before, was like in the Black Panthers. And not even ideology-wise, but just now that we're expected to believe, he is in a hotel room with the inner circle, like the inner sanctum of Martin Luther King Jr. In at Memphis. The height, in, exactly. At the, like, at, in his final days. And this guy and his girlfriend are like in the room with him. I was like, this is like... That's crazy. They're just like, yeah, you'll, you're one of my 10 people. You're one of the seven to 10 people that's going to be in the room with me. I was like, okay, so this is. Yeah, this, this is, is like the most Forrest thing. Gump the, the movie guest. Yeah, that, like, yeah, exactly. I was like, okay, he's on The Tonight Show with John Lennon right now. Yeah. And we're all yeah. like, he's he's writing Imagine for yes. him at this yes. moment. Yeah, this is Forrest <laughs> yes. Gump calling in the Watergate break-in. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we go through the late 70s montage. Lewis is running for Congress. He loses, but there's a nice little scene where like Cecil is on the phone checking in to be like, oh, he lost. So it shows that he's yeah. still, Forrest Whitaker still really cares. And then we get to Alan Rickman pops in playing Ronald Reagan. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, good for Alan Rickman playing the two greatest villains of the 80s. You get Hans <laughs> <Yeah>. Gruber <laughs> and Ronald Reagan. Oh, and it's goodness. just like, he's just like barely containing his british accent it's really difficult 
to watch. Um, yeah. But then they also make Ronald Reagan seem much nicer. There's no mention of the <sighs> war on drugs. Yeah. And then Ronald Reagan is like this really sweet, nice guy to Cecil. And they like they're he him gets and, him a raise. He gets him finally. a raise. And it's just like, what are yeah. we doing? What is I this? know. And even if they could have somehow hinted to what he was doing in society, I feel like it's then like this thing where, you know, maybe it adds that dynamic of like he's understands like people he can interact with but doesn't have like the ability to like extrapolate this to other you know to like a larger worldview but it really is just like you better talk to the president because reagan's got my fucking back you bitch (laughs) like my man's in here gonna get you totally it's like you could just you could just bring up like yeah like this guy like the the complex nuance of like a guy who did so much evil toward like so many people in America writ large over the course of his presidency actually was capable of doing this decent thing for this guy who worked for him. Yes. It's yeah, like exactly. that's that's interesting, you know. Right. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and the, yeah, the <laughs> the thing they chose to like pick on Reagan for was his he was his he affairs. Didn't support, uh, his like, he didn't support right? apartheid. You know they. That, that's <laughs> yes. they yeah. Oh sure, yeah, and it's yeah, just yeah, like yeah, You yeah. pick apartheid instead of like this is about the American. I mean, apartheid obviously was horrifying, but you're talking right. about American civil rights and like the war on drugs has been like what one of the most devastating things to the black community of the entire yes. 20th century. Exactly. Who this and man so is the architect the for, rights. and you're just yeah. like not even going to mention this Which at I all. Will veto this bill. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah, that was you crazy. didn't understand. I yeah. will veto this bill, especially for a movie that's so domestic. Like you're saying with the civil rights movement, the only other international thing is Vietnam, which is also like so tied into domestic issues and everything happening in the states. And then yeah, it's just we're talking about South America or South Africa. What it is like, there are so many things that you could highlight with Reagan that tie in so well with what you're trying to do with this movie yeah the incarceration state we're not gonna like talk about that at all what is this that was so bizarre um but then you know he asks for a raise he finally gets the raise with the help of sweet ronald reagan and sweet (laughs) nancy jane fonda pops up jane fonda jane fonda rules i love jane Jane fonda Fonda. Just go off. Jane Fonda rocks. I'm sick of people making fun of the tapes, the workout tapes. Who gives a shit? Jane Fonda forever. <laughs> Jane Fonda kicks ass as Nancy Reagan. Um, then finally Cecil quits. He quits the White House. Um, he finally realizes that this is no good. Maybe he's made a huge mistake by not, you know, yeah. his, his son is a no- hero. Yeah. Um, and this is another one of those things that like it 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 it's like disrespectful like to the character to set it up like this where it's like he didn't think about anything uh, like until this moment. You know what I mean? Where like none of this crossed his mind the like serving versus being served and like how he's lived his life. None of it crossed his mind until he was like given this gift by Nancy and Ronald Reagan to like come to the dinner and like be the one sitting at the thing. And then it's like all of a sudden he's like whoa this is kind of crazy guys yeah i thought that was kind of weird that i mean yeah because i feel like that's what you're waiting for and like this that's like so much of you know i don't know and then it it also like it makes it seem like he's negating his whole life and that everything like to some extent was like a waste which i don't think is true or like a representation of like the real guy that this is based off of or other people 
Well, I also don't understand what what position the movie is trying to hold because it has that Martin Luther King monologue about the subversive nature it, of the domestic. Right. And then at the end, it's just like, oh, I've wasted my whole life. You you were right the whole time. It's, yeah, because it I thought... Yeah, it's crazy. I thought the Martin Luther King thing was good. And I was like, I'm glad that this is here because Me I too. feel like I feel like they're trying to say this or that this is something that like is true about his position that they're not saying they're just like when I hit these beats of like look at Robin Williams look at John Cusack like look at all the civil rights things um so I was glad that was in there but then yeah at the end and then he's just like oh I fucked up like this is a huge yeah. fucking problem like no, it, it seems wasn't. like a real yeah it seems like a real betrayal of, like everything they were setting up well because also there's like kind of what you were saying Trev is like there is probably a great movie to be made just from like progressive politics whatever that means manifest differently over the generations you know and it's just like at the end they just yeah. I feel like they completely bailed on any even like hint toward that it doesn't seem like there's a deeper message beyond like <laughs> man this racism thing sucks huh <laughs> You know, and I mean, maybe that is yeah. just like a a white dude wrote this movie and he, he doesn't have the nuances beyond like what he can read. Right. I mean, you can see it in the end of the movie, know? too. I mean, this came um, out in 2011, right? 2012. OK, so. Yeah, so, I, I mean, this was like Obama was about to be elected again and there was probably still a sentiment of just like okay racism's over you know like there were there were there were so many people yeah. after obama got elected that were just like and racism died on january 20th 2009 and it's like i want i mean right. you know in terms of like when how long it takes movies to get made i wonder if it was like if it was made from that written from that place and then by the time it comes out you know then we're starting to understand you know okay maybe it's a little more complicated than that but you know, I mean, you could say that about mm -hmm. yeah. uh, uh, Obama's legacy, too. Like, it's kind of funny to watch now and be like, OK, now we understand that, like, he, he governed to the right of what he campaigned on. And, you know, they didn't have that perspective at this time. So it's like they, there, there, there are certain things about the ending that yeah. I think have aged uh, not not even poorly, but like questionably. Get to the end of the movie. Yeah, Obama wins. Racism is over. Cecil goes back to the White House to meet Obama, and he puts on his Kennedy clip and his LG, his Kennedy tie and his LG yes. LBJ tie clip, which again is just like, are we saying that LBJ is some champion of civil? Like, yes, the Voting Rights yeah, Act it's... important. Civil Rights Act important. LBJ not a good guy. <laughs> No. Like, what yeah, are we doing was... here? Why are we yeah. lionizing this fucking guy? The architect of Vietnam. Yeah. Um, I mean, and that's Lee Daniels, the butler. Um, <sighs> that's the butler. So let's just get into some segments. Guys, mm. of course, this is Pod Cusack. We got to talk about the Cuse himself. This is a segment <laughs> oh, <right>. called <laughs> Q-Snack. Cusack in this movie. Is he a snack? No. Next. <laughs> I would say no one playing Richard Nixon could be a, a snack. No, uh, he's not a snack, but he is a tasty treat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next category. Is this one of the 10 movies he likes? He has said in numerous publications he only likes about 10 movies that he's been in. Wow. Like I said earlier, we've we've so on the over the course of this podcast, we're gonna try to fill those ten slots. Only two have been okay. filled. One being John Malkovich, two Stand By Me. Stand by me is sort of a maybe because he's not really in that movie that much. So Do, has he revealed the he ten had, movies? He has not revealed. We're deciding revealed what we movies. think they are. 
Wow. Okay. Do we think that this is one of the 10 movies he feels proud of? I, w- I almost want to say yes. Because I think at the time, at, maybe at least at the time when mm-hmm. this came out, because I do think like we talked about the impact and like the f- sentiment in the country, I think was a lot different. And that I think is also probably a lot of how our interpretation of it now of just seeing Mm-hmm. things and being like pessimistic and cynical about our past presidents where probably around this time there was less of that and it was more celebratory perchance i think people were still sober about like what the realities of kennedy and johnson and people like that were but i think it was a different vibe to us sitting here in 2021 so to that i almost want to say i would not be surprised if it was i think that. it could be as well it could be like number 10 yeah, mm-hmm. you know, if we're if he's ranking them, I don't know if he is ranking them. Well, we're ranking <laughs> best them best to worst. <laughs> he ranks them. But... coming in at number ten because <laughs> yeah. it's probably also like he gets to be like you're associating him with Forrest Whitaker and Robin Williams and you know these yeah. things. Maybe the challenge Giants of being of Nixon, form. exactly. Like really, you know, big people. Um, I... He gets to be Nixon. He gets to he gets to wear the nose, which we've you know come to think is maybe what he needs more of yeah. whether he knows it or not you guys have talked me into it i think maybe because he's he's a very political guy he's very outspoken was a big bernie guy very outspokenly liberal he, it might be like he might find a lot of value in the fact that he got to play nixon and got to show you know this 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 character in this way yeah. so all right let's slot it in i mean we can always replace it later let's slot it in we got yeah. three it yeah. has been slitten, slitten. um <laughs> All right, our next segment is called Coffee, Tea, Me, in honor of the woman who spoke those famous words in Working Girl, our girl Joan Cusack. Now, if Joan Cusack was in this movie, let's do this, let's do two versions. If Joan Cusack was in this movie, what character already in the movie would we want her to play? What character from history not in the movie could we just like throw Joan Cusack in their ass? Oh, I thought fun. this when we were talking about it. I agree that Jane Fonda was great, but I think you could also have her as Nancy. Mm-hmm. I could see yeah. her doing a Nancy, a type of Nancy. Yeah. That would be good. Yeah, I agree. Um, for a character who's not in the movie, Gloria Steinem. <laughs> <laughs> I could see her as like a racist on a porch screaming uh-huh. at uh, Forrest oh, yeah. son or something. She like would have been really good at that. I think yeah. give her an English accent and have Margie Thatcher get in here. <laughs> oh, okay. I oh, like that. That's, that's very really good. good. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah, Lady Bird fun. Johnson, I also think she could play. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, so many opportunities for, yeah. for Joan. Yeah. Joan, Joan could have been so good in this movie. She could have. Real yeah, missed opportunity, Lee Daniels. All right, we're coming to the end. Can we? Let's just talk about things I like, things I hate, things I think are weird. Colby, what's one thing you like about the movie? Uh, Oprah. I like Oprah. It was fun to see Oprah in this and She's great. be as good as she was. Trevor, what's one thing you like about the movie? Yeah, I would go with the acting too because as much as it's crazy, I do like the son a lot. That uh, I forget that actor's name, yeah, but I David like him. Oyelowo. Yeah, he is another dude that like pops up in a lot of stuff, and I do think that they grounded them as as well as they could have, given the uh, the 
uh, material that they're working with. So I'm going to give it to the performer. I'm going to expand on Colby's and give it to the performers, the cast, <laughs> the ensemble cast. Yeah, I'm going to jump on that too. I think the acting pretty much all around, despite like with the weird stunt casting, even Robin Williams, you know, I think was good. Everyone was mm-hmm. pretty good with, with what they were given. Um, Colby, what's one thing you hate? One thing I hate is that they kill Oprah. Yeah, didn't need <laughs> Oprah to die. Did not need that at all. <laughs> I feel like so. This is one thing I learned that is based on the the real story. His wife died two days before she could vote for Barack Obama, and so I think oh, they threw that yeah. in there. But they took so many other artistic liberties with it. How about just let Oprah live? Seriously. But that also points to like I bet they're like that's pretty crazy and that's tough. And I think our reaction, like that's just stick with the freaking guy's real story and i feel like you would have had a stronger piece yeah because that's crazy that's crazy trevor what's one thing you hate about this movie i'm gonna add it on to colby as well so i'm the, the younger brother they killed yeah. that poor guy and he was great he had a couple scenes and i was like this guy this actor is funny he's like really cooking with what he's working with and it also like i thought like you focus on him more you could honestly do the whole movie like pointed at him and you have these like different angles of like he's the one the fulcrum of the family where everything comes down upon you know what Mm -hmm. i mean he's the one who stays and has to hold everything together but you don't see any of that so they killed that poor guy in vietnam we didn't get to see we didn't even get his platoon his apocalypse now moment he just gets sent away we don't even see if this was like a 10 episode series we get a whole episode of just in vietnam a whole deer hunter episode yeah he's doing lsd and it's like crazy Yeah, Um, I totally agree. I think that that kid is a star. He popped off the screen. Colby, last but not least, what's one thing you think is weird? I mean, it's got to be the scene where the son's girlfriend just shuts him down at the dinner table. Oh, love that. (laughs) Wait, you thought I was your girlfriend for five years? Yikes. (laughs) Trevor, what's one thing you think is weird? There's a scene where they're training people they're training them for the sit-in at the uh counter oh boy, yeah and it's just the way it's executed uh, is was was very strange if you watch the movie you'll you'll see it and it's very it's just kind yeah. of bizarre uh and that that was one of the places where the like it didn't feel like the highest level of like and this sounds maybe pretentious but like filmmaking technique it was kind of just like really it was just kind of crazy. And this, speaking of like filmmaking technique, this is what I think is weird. I like that Terrence Howard's like a big character. He's like trying to seduce Oprah. And then like two minutes later, off screen, he dies. They're just like, oh yeah, he got killed. By, he okay. tried to seduce the Did wrong you hear what happened to wife. your neighbor? Yeah. Wait, what was that? I might have even missed that. Oh, basically, they're just like, yeah, they caught him. Some guy caught him in bed with his wife and he shot him. He's dead. (laughs) I think I missed that. It happens very briefly. (laughs) It just like happens off screen and they never discuss it again. Oh, geez. Because he pops up in so many scenes. He's like at all the parties. He's their very good friend. He's got this weird romantic tension with Oprah. And then they just like kill him off screen. Mention it very briefly. Gosh. Cusack Nation, that was Lee Daniels the butler. I think we can all agree that Cusack was great in it. Um, hey, he, he did it. <laughs> bringing it home, baby. All right, Trevor, where can we find you on the internet? Um, You can, you know what? Go to Instagram, Tea Time with Trevor. 
go to that. We're gonna we're gearing up for a lot of great stuff Ooh. coming on. You you can hear the sirens hopefully, uh, and they're coming because it's on fire over there. Content police, pull over. <laughs> Colby, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Colby J Smith, and you can listen to my podcast, Honey Baby Sweetie Love, which is a fake dating show that I host with Amir Khan. My name is Matthew Strickland. You can follow me at at Strickbomb on Twitter. And John, we know you listen. Thank you so much. We love you. We miss you. Be well.